on this six unit building, um, he's paid so far $427,000 in taxes to various levels of government. That's a third of their entire cost for building this six unit building. So if you break it out, just. You're listening to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast with your hosts, Paul Stevenson, David Warren, and Greg Campbell. Let's see what's going on in the world of real estate today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. It is episode 150. I made it. We made it. Episode 150, Ottawa Real Estate Podcast. My name is Paul Stevenson. I'm a mortgage agent. I'm joined by David Warren, also a mortgage agent. And we're here to talk to you about mortgages and real estate and whatever else the heck we want to talk about. We're not here with Greg today, unfortunately. Last minute, last minute issue, an issue with Gregory. He won't be with us today. But we got lots to cover, Dave. Lots happened in the last seven days. But let's start with your weekend. What did you get up to, David? How are you doing? I am doing great. I'd say didn't didn't actually finally had a weekend of not doing much. I mm. felt like I haven't been able to spend a Friday at home doing absolutely nothing in months. Not anywhere. No plans. It was great. It was great. No, actually, no complaints on that front of doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, I did much of the same. Actually, I was. It was it Thursday at the hockey game. I think it was Thursday. We were at the game Wednesday. Maybe we bumped into each other at the game, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Sends are buzzing other than the loss the other day. But yeah, no, it was a good weekend. Other than that, since that, which I think was Thursday night, I'm having a bit of a blur. Friday and Saturday, I literally did absolutely nothing. It was fantastic. Saturday on the home, it was rainy too. So like just a perfect day to curl up with some foe on the couch, you know, watch some movies, watch some soccer. I actually had, speaking of couch, I had a new couch delivered. I've been waiting five months for this couch. Half of it arrived I hope Friday. It was worth it. <laughs> Actually, no, half of it arrived Thursday. They forgot the other half at the uh, warehouse. Huh. The second half arrived Saturday morning. So just in time for me to sit on the couch and do nothing. <laughs> yeah. But no, otherwise it's, it's certainly fall. Like with the rain and all the leaves on the ground, like it's, it's mm-hmm. summer's done. You know, we're feeling, we're really feeling that Canadian winter oh, yeah. r- ripping into town here. For sure. No, I, I completely agree. It's finally, finally the end of it, but either way. I go ahead, go. What are you, what are you, what are you seeing in the market these days? What's, what's, what's October been so far? Now we're coming up to the end of October. It's October 24th. This, this comes out. Yeah. So uh, what's it it been like? It's been kind of interesting. I mean, so last episode I was, I was in Toronto. I was in Toronto all weekend for the national mortgage conference. Yeah. And, and there for four or five days, uh, it was a busy, busy time, you know, really in speaking with, you know, I spoke with some submission platform providers. So, you know, as for those of you that aren't aware as mortgage agents, mortgage professionals, we have certain platforms that you can adjudicate and underwrite a deal that you then communicate and submit to the, to the banks with. There's only a handful of these in the country, I think maybe five. And so I was speaking with one of the owners of, of one of them. And he was saying how in the seven days leading up to the conference that he'd seen a massive spike in volumes nationally, which was very interesting. He said prior to that had been very much a lull. Mm. He doesn't know why. And he hadn't dug into the numbers too much as far as like exact locations or anything, but I thought that was kind of, I thought that was very interesting, but you know, on my, for myself and, and people I, agents I speak to and other realtors that it's been a, you know, pretty quiet month again, 
uh, there was kind of a little bit of ups, but but mostly, you know, kind of quick little peaks, but then, you know, rather uh, stagnant, if you will. So I'm interested to see what the numbers are like coming out of October. I know, again, anecdotally that there's a lot of supply out there. Speaking with one realtor buddy over the weekend, he has 15 listings alone. And, and, you know, and that's all over the city, all different price points, you know, most of them in that, you know, 500 to 900 range. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which I think is telling because typically, you know, when he's got listings, he has a team, but when he's got listings, it's in the, you know, in a, he's got three, four kind of thing. So 15 is rather pretty crazy. So that's, that, that's been interesting out of the, coming out of the conference, a lot of, you know, a lot of talk around, obviously what the bank of Canada is going to do, you know, with the rate announcement this Wednesday, what's going to happen Yeah, uh, with the inflationary numbers coming out lower than expected, you know, at 3.8. And when removing mortgage interest, it actually coming in around that, you know, that 2% range of what mm-hmm. they're looking for uh, and core inflation being down. So there's a lot of belief that they will hold rates, you know, f- on when on Wednesday, but also going forward. And Benjamin Tall, who's the lead economist for CIBC and, and one of the top economists in the in Canada and globally he does you know does consult with other world banks around the world and and whatnot that he believes that in Canada that we will start to see you know just like we predicted before hearing from him that rates will start to decrease in the June time frame and we'll start to see a quarter point increase around then and and going from there you know down and leveling off decrease and yeah, leveling yeah. off around five percent from where we are now as far as far as like prime's concerned so it'll take some time to get there but you know i think he was uh, clearly listening to us on Torp. Uh, you know listened to our forecasts a few weeks ago saying that it'd be about a june you know it'd be a june start to decrease literally hmm. benjamin tall said you know what paul david know what they're talking about i'm gonna put this in my national presentation of course tunes in every week <laughs> he says we make the market here at Torp, you know yeah yeah no there was a there was an article cmt Canadian mortgage trends. They actually had an article saying just that it says with Candace head that with Candace headline inflation rate once again trending downward. Next week's Bank of Canada rate decision is now looking decidedly more like a rate hold. On Tuesday, Stats Canada reported the headline CPI inflation rose 3.8 in September, down from August 4% growth. The drop was due largely to lower prices for groceries, durable goods, and travel-related services. So as expected, actually, they I think they actually mentioned Benjamin Tall in this article now that mm-hmm. I'm whipping through it but yeah very interesting i mean that's kind of kind of what we expected when the numbers came out in september that you know there probably wouldn't be much change now with october numbers mm. i mean it looks even more apparent that rates should hold which is welcoming news for i think for a lot of obviously variable rate holders and just mm. i think the economy in general could really use that that easing oh, i think yeah. last month yeah. was nice just to kind of have that positive news so having back-to-back announcements like this i think will probably help bolster the market it's so weird. Like we've been talking about the last two years, like lack of supply, lack of supply. Now there's just an abundance of supply. Houses galore, like houses are sitting for three, four months. Like it's it's wild. Like, you know, you look mm-hmm. at specific neighborhoods, some of them have two, three listings coming out a day and just nothing's moving. Like they're just sitting there. And yeah. it's, it's I, I don't think it'll take, I know I've said this before, but I think it's like we've said it, now's the time to buy. I do think that that market can shift dramatically fast when things start looking more positive like when people start buying and those homes start disappearing and the people that are kind of sitting on the sidelines or are waiting to buy or 
are kind of in the market but don't feel any urgency when that urgency starts kicking in we're gonna i think we're gonna see homes start selling really quickly and it's just when is that gonna happen people, like people are just sitting on the sidelines staying at home living with friends living with family you know and just waiting to buy but they're not qualifying right now you know qual you know, we've talked about it before and you know but when you're qualifying at eight percent that's you know very tough for a lot of people what they want what they can qualify for and what they want to buy are two different things and so that's you know and then and then the rates just what their budget can can manage so i think that'll be uh yeah i mean really to your point once there's some positive news or once there's one rate decrease i think or the fixed rates start to come down the bonds then then we'll see that that inc that drive in in business but from a from a rate perspective and and where the economy's headed i think you know we're starting i i found that last week was really the first indication in my opinion of the rip like that the increases are finally starting to get to businesses and starting to get to the un the employment because there was a lot of announcements last week of of total reduction in in staffing you know mm -hmm. scotia reducing their staff by three percent you know other tech companies announcing that they're reducing their staff by anywhere from three to six and eight percent so i think that you know that's really what they've been looking for when you've when you've got and that's that's not only in canada that's also through the us and and we're so closely tied to the us that we have to kind of keep lockstep with what the us is doing to mm -hmm. maintain our currency that with you know unemployment rate going up that's really what they've been looking for they want to see that stickiness in you know consumer spending decrease like just waning and so with those with those layoffs uh, is you know it's it's bad news obviously i'm not you know i don't i'm not here saying that layoffs are good or anything like that uh but it is a necessity for you know the economy uh for things like this in order to have like that ripple effect through the economy for for the Bank of Canada to be able to make some some actual changes and start to provide some relief throughout. So, yeah, and I think that's I think you hit the nail the nail on the head. Like I think these are always there's there's always kind of lagging indicators that you can't see initially, but with all those rate increases, I think now, as you said, like businesses have probably been holding on as long as they can before laying people off. They've probably been even, you know, putting money like further investing money into the business just to maintain some of those jobs and so on. And now we're kind of at a point where everyone's like, they're probably reassessing their business. People are probably reassessing their personal finances and are realizing, okay, we do have to sell the car. We do have to downsize the house. We do have to do X, Y, Z. So I think we are, as you said, we're starting to see that. And to your point, that's kind of what they were waiting to see to be able to start easing some of the pressure because it seemed like people were invincible. Like, like we talked mm -hmm. about it maybe six months ago, after all these rate hikes and all this doom and gloom in the market, restaurants are still packed. Shows are still sold out, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, looking at the hockey arena, like everyone's still packed. So mm -hmm. people are still out spending money. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's nice, but it's good to see that the market is, I don't want to say rebounding, but like, ideally we want to get to that balanced spot. And I think this, you know, everyone has been kind of overspending and I haven't been, they've been changing their habits. Like, you yes, know, they've been you. using That's their credit. They've been using summer. their savings and credit <laughs> to, to kind of maintain that spending, which, you know, we consumer debt is increasing rapidly. And then so is the consumer defaults. And so yeah. that's, that's been jumping pretty dramatically. So all that to say, I think, you know, this Wednesday, we will see a pause. 
I think that we will see a pause even through uh, the rest of the year as this continues, unless there's some sort of, you know, magical, like just bump in, in everything. But I don't, I don't foresee it, especially, like I said, with these employment layoffs and, and things like that with mass companies. Mm. Um, but on the, on the, you know, topic though of qualifying, I know you and mm. I were chatting about it before and we, you know, really when people are coming up for renewal and there's a huge portion of mortgage holders out there that are coming up for renewal. And there's, I want to say, I was reading this, the stats for the major banks that it's anywhere from 18 to like 26% of their book over the next 12 months is coming up for renewal, which is massive. <clears throat> and those people are going to be renewing or coming up for renewal into a lot higher rates. They're, thus far, it's been really hard to for those people coming up to to move to another institution when you're- Or to negotiate. Yeah, <laughs> like for, for those that aren't aware is that just because you have a mortgage and you've been paying it on time, but you want to move it, you know, let's say you're with, you know, the big green bank and they offer you X renewal and you say, you know what, I'm going to shop it. So you go around to, you go to a mortgage broker, they go and shop it to others. Well, you you have to requalify for that mortgage, even though you've been paying it, but you're requalifying for it at today's rates at the plus 2%, all of that, which, you know, really a lot of people can't actually requalify for the same mortgage they have. And so what ends up, because they bought maybe at the max of what they qualified for five years ago. And even though they paid that mortgage off, the increase in rates, they just now no, do not qualify. Mm -hmm. And so it limits their ability from a consumer availability, being able to go out and shop at other banks and then have that. And so the, a lot of the banks know this as well. And so they're not being as aggressive on their renewal offers, which then again, hurts the consumer and they kind of become stuck. And so what ends up happening is on renewal, you're not with that same bank. If you're mortgaged with the big green bank, let's say, and they send you a renewal offer and you don't like it, you shop it. And there's other cheaper rates out there to save you money, but you do not qualify for them anymore because your mortgage, what you qualified on was maybe at five and a quarter percent, you know, at the bank, at the qualifying rate five years ago, whereas now you're having to qualify at eight and a half percent if you want to switch banks. And that three and a half difference, even though you paid down your mortgage, makes a substantial difference um, in qualifying. So you then are stuck having to just sign with your existing bank because they don't have to requalify you for that mortgage. It's like a loophole on that, on that renewal that they, don't have to qualify you, don't have to look at your income, don't have to do anything. Whereas if you want to move banks, they're re-looking at your income. So if you recently became self-employed or you recently changed jobs or you know anything like that, or you're on disability, you know, short-term or long-term disability for whatever reason, or someone's on mat leave or whatever it may be, that you can't qualify. You can't move banks. And so staying with that same bank, they don't look at that again. You can just renew, but it's not necessarily going to be at the best rate. And so it becomes a really big feedback loop and, and really challenging because it's not in the consumer's best interest. And then this article came out last week where an, an unknown rule within OSFI, which is the regulator overseeing the banks, had a rule in there buried that even the banks didn't know. And this came out last week that you could qualify if you had an insured mortgage and you qualified at the contract rate, you know, how everyone's been handling transfers on insured and insurable mortgages is that you had to qualify at that rate plus 2%. Well, this article came out that hidden hidden deep inside OSFI's rules that no one ever knew about and they never let anyone know about 
was that they could qualify you at that contract rate. It it's a massive sh like shock to it was a massive shock to the industry. I was on a call on Thursday even with a major with an area manager from you know a major institution. They have over 150 billion in in assets under management. They have six different lenders under their banner, and they didn't even know about it. Um, it's it's really interesting that this that they kept this from the banks and from consumers because it's really is inhibiting consumers from getting a better deal. Yeah, and important to note too that this is it's the insurer that doesn't require the new stress test, but lenders still can. So I think to your point, like lenders didn't even know that they had the option to not add that stress test. So even as agents, we'd be talking to clients and we're qualifying them at, you know, eight and a half percent. Like, well, fortunately on this, this has happened many times over the last six to 12 months where clients, they just don't qualify to move, right? Like you said, either the rates are too high now and they don't qualify for the same mortgage that are, you know, less of a mortgage than five years ago. But at the same time, they're kind of pigeonholed with their lender where their lender might not be offering them any sort of competitive rate, but they're stuck there just because of the fact that they can't move. So it's very interesting. I think it's very good for consumers. It'll certainly, now that it's becoming more widely known, I definitely expect like lenders to step in and offer maybe deals and this sort of thing, like, you know, preferred rates for switches and so on. But I think also for agents and consumers, like as this becomes more widely known, people will maybe think more now to speak to a broker. I think a lot of people still, they, they I was talking this with someone last week, of uh, a, a real estate lawyer who's been doing it for some some years. And we were just saying, you know, 10, 15 years ago, even going to when we started in brokering in 2013, it was still considered almost like, like a, a dark, like industry, you know, like everything was paper based and oh, brokers charge crazy fees. And like, you only go to a broker if you're desperate, you know, that was kind of the sediment in the industry. Mm -hmm. Even working at the bank previously, that was kind of the perception of, of a mortgage broker. Now it's definitely, I think, more accepted, if not the standard to speak to a broker before even speaking to your bank and definitely to get pre-approved before shopping. That's standard. Like even when we started, that wasn't normal. Like you just go shopping and then, mm -hmm. oh, we better get a mortgage now. Mm -hmm. So I think people think now of brokers for purchasing. I don't think a lot of people think of brokers for transfers and switches, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Obviously we tell our clients, but the general public, I don't think when they have a mortgage coming for renewal with the big green or big red or blue or whoever, whatever color you want to deal with, they don't know to even talk to a broker. They don't probably don't even think that's a possibility. So I think having this information out there and giving people the knowledge that they can actually not only talk to a broker, but that they don't have to requalify. Well, they do, but not with the, with the stress test, I think will create a lot more conversations, which then, as we said before, is, is very good for the consumer. So they actually have choice in their renewal. They're not stuck with that same lender. Yeah. I think the, I think it's I think the number is roughly around 40% now of buyers use a mortgage mm. broker as opposed to their bank, but the number on first-time home buyers is in the 60s, 60s or 70s as far as percentage of first-time home buyers mm. that use a broker. So to your point, it used to be just for like if you had sh shit if you're having a tough time on credit, if you're mm -hmm. having a, you know, going through everything that you, you know, you needed a private lender or something like that, and that was kind of on the the broker, but it certainly shifted in that regard. So to your point, yeah, absolutely. Your mortgage coming up for renewal, you're looking at, it's not just a purchase. You're looking at a refinancing, anything like that. Like talk to a broker, not just your specific bank, because you can shop, you can shop that, that mortgage and, and look to get a better rate elsewhere 
and and really you know any ethical professional as well would be telling you get an find out from your bank what they're offering for your renewal let me know what it is and we'll make sure that we can find a solution that's better and if not then yeah just there's no you know sign with your current bank and and renew there but let's let's have that transparency let's have that conversation of where you know what are they offering you you know yes you could just sign and be done with it but if there's if you could save thousands of dollars to sometimes go through the you know the hassle of you know pay stub and letter of employment and things like that you know then it becomes a conversation of well is that thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in savings worth that you know mm-hmm. you know a little bit of a uh, little bit of legwork so i implore you certainly to your point I'll implore all of you to to speak to when coming up to to renewal to speak to a professional, and I'll be interested to see how this this news and it certainly reverberated through the uh, industry this past week of the the insured mortgages uh, from a qualifying perspective because this really does open up a lot of doors for people that uh, really were seemingly closed from you know There's on renewal. Countless conversations already this year <clears throat> for transfers where people just. Like I, I had to tell them like, you have no option to transfer because of that exact thing. So yeah, interesting. I think I'm definitely going to go back through upcoming renewals. Like people that I've spoken to that are, that have renewals coming up in the next say six months, just to make sure that they're aware that this is possible and they may be able to get better rates. Renewals are such a finicky thing. Like I see, I always tell clients, you know, find out what your current lender is offering you. Let me know what that is. And then we'll see what we can do. Let's see if we can beat it. I had a client last week who was offered from their existing lender, 5.49 on a five-year fixed, which is below all lenders right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the easy thing for me to do is to just say, well, that's amazing. Like recently mm-hmm. resign with that lender and clients really appreciate that honesty. Like, I think people always assume that we're going to try to, you know, mm-hmm. finagle them into some new, you know, shiny new mortgage, but really we are here to kind of offer like nonpartisan advice. Like I always try to put myself in your shoes. Like if you're if you're me or if you're, you know, a, a friend or loved one, like how would I advise you to, to act in this, like in this position? And then that's kind of how I advise people. And I know you, you treat, like you kind of treat clients the same way. So, you know, important. If you're up for renewal at any point in the six, next six months, a year, or even in the coming years, like if you're, you know, if you locked in at a higher rate than you want to, we can certainly have those discussions as well. There was one more article, Dave, you wanted to talk to. I think one of your clients was actually featured in the Financial Post. He, he wrote it. He wrote, he wrote the it. article. Not even featured, um, he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote the article. I thought it was, thought it was great. So Brad Cartier, great friend and, and client, is a small builder. We've done a ne- number of projects together. And, and it's an article labeled, you know, want more housing constructed? How about taxing builders less? So it's going through actually the amount of taxes that, he's had to pay on a small six unit building Hmm. that I've been helping him do the financing on that we've been working on for quite a while that the total amount of taxes and he lays it all out in the, in the article. I do implore all of you to read it because I think it is uh, really eye opening. is that this is on a six unit building. So when people talk about, you know, rents, wanting rents lower or for developers uh, to build more affordable housing. One of the aspects that really need to be addressed, and I've said it before, and we've talked before, is the amount of taxes, development fees, permit fees uh, that go into uh, building any property. On this six-unit building, um, he's paid so far $427,000 in taxes 
to various levels of government. That's a third of their entire cost for building this six unit building. So if you break it out, just like buy per unit, like, you know, and you, people talk about rents being high or anything like that, which I agree, but so are mortgage rates. And so are what the costs of building are, you know, that's $71,000 per unit in taxes alone. And that does not include CPP and EI to any of the laborers that are working, what ta income taxes that they pay uh, on their income for that development. It's it's really eye-opening when you actually kind of break down and see those types of numbers for what... Again, that's just taxes. That's not materials. That's not a shovel in the ground. Literally that's... almost a half million dollars that, before even that's putting great. a shovel. Yeah, That's right. Like that's not even, that's not the HST on uh, lumber, on siding, on roofing and all that. So, you know, constituting a third of his build cost. So let's say, you know, 427, let's say, you know, build costs and 1.2, 1.3 you know, what sort of taxes you're paying on another 800,000 of, you know, over HST, you're another 100,000 in HST on $800,000 in materials purchased. So, you know, that's, that's wild. And again, this is in, this is in a, a smaller town as well. It's not even in, you know, this is a, a build in, in Rockland. This is not in Toronto or anything like that. This is in Rockland that this type, that these types of fees are are being are being charged. So government talks about wanting to build more affordable housing, wanting to build more supply for rentals. You know, and I know you look around Ottawa and you see a lot of cranes and you know and all that. And sure there are a lot of there is a lot of stuff going up. Mm -hmm. But if you want affordable housing, you want rents to come down, there needs to be less taxes charged on on builders, on on product in general. And I know, you know, even you know, even just kind of going through the, obviously you get some comments uh, on any article and, you know, people commenting about, well, you know, if, if tax and development fees go down or scrapped, who's going to pay for infrastructure for new houses, for new hoods, the tooth fairy. Well, you know, that's what property taxes are for. That's what, you know, other types of tax are for. They don't have these types of, of high development fees in every jurisdiction mm -hmm. in every province or, you know, in every state, you know, you look at this, the U S they don't have this types of, these types of development fees, and permit fees, <clears throat> and they seem to have infrastructure. You know, there are other ways, but you know, I think just... the worst the worst line here is, and the most accurate is the the, the last line in the third paragraph says the, the uncomfortable truth is that it's owners and renters who ultimately pay the tax burden on the house they purchase, which is true because you know <laughs> the builders are forking out this quarter million dollars. Let's just say per mm -hmm. unit, even even yeah. let's just say a hundred thousand per <clears> unit. <throat> That is like they're not just going to eat that. That that has to be passed off in some form, right? So mm -hmm. there was a section here. He says, to be clear, as a society, we're asking builders to put more shovels in the ground, but then turning around with our hands out, asking for literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in return. Sure, you can build more houses. That'll be two hundred thousand each, please. At least they ask politely. He says, we are mm -hmm. Canadian after all. It's an odd game of monopoly that fewer and fewer sophisticated business owners are willing to play. Yeah, I mean it's. You know, it's, it's very accurate. And there's a reason why the, a lot of developers stopped, you know, not not only are slowed down, like not only because of where interest rates are at, but because of the costs involved and they can't actually build quick enough because you need capital. Like the, <clears throat> that 427000 that Brad's talking about paying, that's out of pocket up front while building without any recoup immediately. And it takes time to recoup that back. So 
if you removed you know a portion of that even well then you can actually then there's capital for that developer to then be able to spurn and build other properties quicker and actually get supply going and, and get builds going in a quicker fashion as opposed to okay we have to finish this one six unit we then have to wait you know right now the cmh cmhc is nine months behind on on issuing insurance certificates for multi-residential buildings so you're waiting six, sorry, nine months for CMHC underwriter to actually pick up the file, analyze it, say, yes, we'll insure this property from a mortgage insurance on the back end standpoint, then they can go ahead and fund that takeout. So the entire time they're paying construction costs or, or, or interest on their construction loan and waiting for CMHC to come around on these. So, which again, is ludicrous that CMHC is that behind and that mm-hmm. understaffed and they don't actually, they haven't changed that. That has not changed at all through COVID and it, it's it been preposterous. So again, you want, and it's a crown corporation and they're the only ones that are insuring multi-residential buildings. So you want, again, you want developers, you want affordable housing, you want supply. Let's bring down the taxes and let's staff, you know, a these crown corporations, CMHC, make it more efficient. Well, let's use some of those tax dollars and create some salaries, you know? Yeah, let's let's use some of those insurance premiums to actually staff the CMHC properly. The the default insurance premiums that are even being charged on these are hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, and the default the, rate as we've mentioned is under 1%. Yeah. So it's, it's just a rev it's a revenue source like so why billions why, of dollars. So why can't they hire more people to get these certificates out to fund these projects quicker. Again, this is what holds up development. This is what holds up builders being able to roll their capital from one project to the next. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to increase our supply, drive down prices for purchasers, for first-time home buyers, repeat buyers, and drive down prices for, for renters and make it more affordable. Dave's our next housing minister. Mm-hmm. He's <laughs> not happening. No. <laughs> uh, that was a good, was a good, very informative show. You know, it's it's always when Greg's not here. We, there's a certain je ne sais quoi that's that's missing. But we <laughs> we hold it together. So it's very rate and mortgage focused. But I hope everyone appreciates that. For anyone listening, any realtors listening, I should mention I'm going to be at the OREB trade show, which is taking place this thursday so if you're there come by say hi otherwise don't don't say hi send me an email instead you know (laughs) i got mood boosts i got three today so number one i like all of them one of them i've used before but a long time ago number one did you hear about the sensitive burglar he takes things personally oh wow very sensitive so sensitive number two why do cows have hooves instead of feet because they lactose. They lactose. I kind of like that All one. my lactose people out there. <laughs> Number three, I hate spelling errors. You mix up two letters and your whole post is urined. Wow. <laughs> Just like wow. that. Wow. Just like that. Episode 150. How did we make it this far? Hilarious. And what's funny is the other probably 150 episodes prior to that as the Friday wrap-up are not being factored in so 150 we made it greg we missed you to another 50 episodes we'll see you at 200 and 151 see you next week (laughs) 
Tschüss, everyone. Bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe because we'd really like that.